0: Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Cheaper than dirt. Well, anyone who works in modern agriculture will tell you that's not necessarily very cheap these days. Maintaining soil quality is hard and soil revitalization is expensive. Well today, we sit down and talk with Tepe Okamura, co-founder of Towing, a startup that has developed a sustainable and affordable soil additive that is resulting in a 20 to 70% increase in crop yield and is now being sold to farmers throughout Japan. And towing addresses the common scalability challenge that these kinds of agricultural tech startups inevitably face by using an innovative production and distribution model that should allow them to achieve meaningful and perhaps even global scale. We talk about the challenges of launching a university spin-out using licensed IP, why so many genuinely innovative ag tech startups never manage to reach sustainable commercial scale? And about Towing's ongoing collaboration with Japan's space agency to develop the technologies and protocols to make agriculture in space a reality. But you know, Tepe tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So we're sitting here with Tepe Okamura of Towing, who's using microorganisms and biocharcoal to revitalize agricultural soil. And and thanks for sitting down with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I gave just a very, very high-level explanation of what Towing does, and I'm sure you can explain it much better than I can.
1: What do we produces artificial soil basically we make soil from biochar which is made from any like organic materials and like a waste from rice industry or like chicken industry or any waste the organic waste can be used and we grow our specific microbes in the biochar, and uh, we make that into very good soil or good soil additives, especially good for organic farming. And from what I understand, while
0: it can usually take up to five years to revitalize uh, agricultural soil, towings process can do it in in one month
1: yes usually like making soil farm takes very long time and it's very complicated mechanism it's like a black box so it's a little hard to know what condition the soil is now it takes long time but still like many farmers fail to make good soil But with our soil additives, when farmers put our soil additives in their soil, like it changes their physical structure of soil. And also it gives good nutrients. Also it gives good microbes. With the combination of those, it can make the soil into very good condition within very short time. From what I understand,
0: your customers are reporting yield improvements anywhere from 20% to
1: 70%? Yeah, it, it varies. Like It really depends on the soil they use and crops and also fertilizer they use. And also when, when the soil is already very good condition, it's a little hard to make it better.
0: So the 20 to 70% really depends on the more on the condition of the original soil.
1: Yes, yes. In the reality, not so many fields are in best condition. With our soil conditioner, those like rich soil can be even richer, and like poor soil can be richer. So, so tell me about your customers. Who's using this soil? There are many types, but like a rice farmers, tomato farmers, strawberry. It's actually applied for any crops. But uh, it's better for farmers who use organic fertilizers more or who has high-value products. All right. Well, tell you what,
0: I, I want to get into a deeper dive on the market and the technology in a minute. But before that, I want to talk a little about how towing was founded. So you and the team are still relatively new. You just launched out of Nagoya University back in 2020, right?
1: Yes. So at that time, our CEO, Kohei Nishida, was a student, master. And I was a researcher. And actually, I was in the same study group. But I was a, I've was already done my doctorate degree. Yeah, At the beginning, like, we were more focusing on the agriculture in space, actually.
0: I definitely want to get back and talk about agriculture in space in a minute, because that's that's a really interesting topic. But so so the founding team, was it all everyone was part of the same study group in Nagoya University?
1: Three are from our study groups and two are from car industry, actually. So they are engineers. So my understanding is, is the core technology,
0: or at least some of the core technology that towing is using was developed by uh, the National Institute of Agriculture and Food Industry.
1: The original technologies was invented by the institution. And our study group was a research member. Nagoya University. And uh, that institution, we were studying that technology together. And so,
0: how does this work? I know a lot of Japanese universities are really focusing on commercializing their research, commercializing their IP. So, is the institute still involved in the startup? Are they licensing the IP? Are they investors?
1: Yeah, the original professor... He was the advisory kind of position because that institution had the patent. so we had to work out the patent right matter. So we sometimes asked him for advice.
0: So how did the what is the structure of the patent licensing?
1: Basically, there were three or four companies who used to use that patent. So we had a contract to license, and uh, we made it like for only those companies who had been using that patent.
0: So the companies that were already using it could continue to use it, but they couldn't license it to, to any any further companies other than Tony. Yes, yes,
1: exactly. That's the way we were making the contract. But that that's the only for the first patent. Like after that we've been doing a lot of development on that technologies. So we also have patents for like business model or patents for the extended technology.
0: Is Towing still doing like joint research and development with either Nagoya University or the the institute?
1: Basically we do study with Nagoya University. And we have laboratory in, in university. Excellent.
0: Let's talk a bit about the, the overall market and, and the business model. So, I mean, biochar is is pretty common. A lot of companies are selling it. So, what's different about what towing is doing?
1: Our technology is adding value on biochar. Like the biochar is like already used in agriculture sector, right? As a soil conditioner. But sometimes they have problems because it has high pH. That's alkaline type of material. So when you use that uh, biochar too much, it's actually not good for crops. So we add microbe in it and uh, make good soil conditioner. That makes soil in field faster than like just biochar itself
0: is your long term goal to produce the enhanced biochar product and sell that to the farmers directly or is your goal more of to sell the the technology the service to the companies already producing biochar to allow them to produce a higher value product
1: at the moment like we actually sell products to farmers or but uh Our main business model is we don't have plants. We let customers have a plant. For example, like chicken industry company producing eggs or like chicken meat. They have a lot of waste and uh, they have to get rid of that every day. Some of those companies have like high cost throwing those material away. For well, those companies we offer a service introducing a plant to produce soil articles made from biochar. So they can have like biochar furnace. That's interesting. So I mean
0: with biochar being you know as popular as it is now, do a lot of these factories and farms already have biochar furnaces?
1: yeah it's getting more common some uh those agriculture companies they have those biochar farmers that's interesting and and so actually, let's walk through the whole business
0: model of this then so if a poultry processing plant, if a chicken farm is producing biochar, they're not selling it to farmers. What are they doing it? Are they using it directly? are they selling it to a chemical company
1: often. That they sell that to farmers, but in some cases, in terms of uh, carbon fixation, they have service to put that carbon under the ground so they can have a carbon credit. That's another type of business for them
0: for, From the farmers' point of view, is this something that they just apply like fertilizer? Is it something they do every year, every five years?
1: every two years would be good. But uh, that's for conventional agriculture. The other case is farmers who want to change their agriculture style into organic farming. Like they want to maintain their soil like sustainably and also use more sustainable fertilizer. These days, like artificial fertilizer is getting more expensive. So organic fertilizer is getting more competitive.
0: So let's let's talk a bit about the economics of it. How much does the soil cost? How much does it cost the farmers to to use it to revitalize this land?
1: We we think it's going to be almost the same as compost. It would be almost the same price.
0: I mean that's amazing in in terms of a future target. Currently, is it still pretty expensive, or where are you now on on bringing the costs down?
1: We can say at the moment now, it's almost I think uh, double the price of compost. I think, but our method, like process of making soil aggregate, is quite similar to those compost commodities. So the matter is the size of the plant. Those compost plant has very big scale. So we have to have same scale. Of case price should be almost about the same. And uh, when it comes to using waste, there are industry which has more cost on wasting things. In that case, material could be cheaper, or material can even give our uh, income.
0: That makes sense. I mean, it's you're competing for the same. Feedstock. You're competing for the same resources as conventional producers of compost, so it's natural the price would would level out. Um, how scalable is this business? How much bio waste is produced each year that can be turned into this kind of soil? So, so how how big can this business scale?
1: The market is very really big. As a soil additive or soil conditioner, the market is really huge. Tens of billion dollars, like a big, big market. What about, I mean, one, one thing that seems to be
0: a challenge in this business, just looking at it from outside, is that the input materials you need, the the biomass, the sewage, animal wastes, those are all spread out all over the world, and they tend to be in very rural areas. And it would seem that collecting them would be very expensive and inefficient and, and not particularly good for the environment. So how do you how does this scale up into a large operation?
1: Yeah, that, that's actually a very important point. I mean, in terms of collecting organic material is not a problem, because... Nowadays, most of the industry is produce a lot of things at one place. For example, industry which make uh, drinks, they produce a lot of waste. So we can obtain the material at one place. So having waste material is not that difficult. Will you be
0: setting up your own processing plants co-located at poultry farms and and food processing factories is is that the plan? So
1: so far it seems most effective business model company who has a lot of waste can be our customer they can have plant and we can offer our service to them
0: So I, I want to understand the business model so let's take a poultry processing plant chicken farm. Who, who is whose customer? So are you operating a plant on their facility and then taking that biochar? Or are they operating a plant on their facility and paying you to use your microbes in your treatment?
1: Well, we have a contract with those companies who has a lot of waste. They install those biochar farms and uh, plant to produce our soil additives. So they sell those soil additives to farmers around them.
0: The poultry processing plant is selling the the soil to the farmers.
1: Technically, we sell soil additives to farmers. It's not physically because they have plants and they physically make those materials, and we do marketing to farmers.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. Towing is the one with the relationship with the customer, with the relationship with the farmers, and when the farmers order the enriched soil, it gets shipped out from a local uh, agricultural plant to the farmer. Yes. Okay, right. So there's no need for kind of centralized processing or centralized storage.
1: Yeah, exactly. So as you told me, like distribution is a little hard point. So important thing is finding company producing a lot of waste. And around that company, we need farmers. So it's the best. Like there is big agriculture around and there is an industry of processing organic material. So that combination gives the best business location.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Let's get back to agriculture in space. You mentioned that this is something the original research group was really interested in, and it's it's a fascinating topic. So so tell me a bit about agriculture in space.
1: We also do space farming thing as well. The main idea is usually for those astronauts, what they eat is really expensive. Like when they have like one piece of bread, that cost say like uh 10,000 dollars each because you have to bring it to space so when we have uh, people on the moon for example it's going to be like more expensive so if we have say 1,000 people on the moon we need to produce food in space we have to do recycle when we eat food we get waste And we have to make that waste into food again. So for that cycle, we actually have to do organic farming. Well, I mean, that makes sense just from
0: the input and output point of view. We'd have to do that. But I I mean, just thinking about it, can can plants even grow in space? I mean, do seeds even know which way is up and where to come out?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So... They actually grow in different ways, but uh, they can grow, and uh, th- there is a way to give a gravity on those plants, like you know, with a rotation and things. Also you spin them? Yeah, but, but th- that's not our study topic, but th- there is actually possible to produce those crops in space.
0: So, are are you working now with JAXA or with with NASA on some of this research?
1: Yes, we have a project called Space Food Sphere with JAXA. That, that's like a consortium. Our part is that soil part, cultivating those vegetables in the like closed system. So, so what's the most
0: Challenging and important thing about soil suitable for space agriculture?
1: The most important thing is efficiency of recycling green material. So we put like 100 amount of material, we want close to 100 output, right? And also, as we are stable, what do you say, like in, in terms of using energy efficiently. The temperature of farm um, would be changed with the time. That's also our task to solve. You know, it
0: it strikes me that in general, Japan seems like a really good market for for ag tech for agricultural technology. People are willing to pay high prices for quality food. Food quality in general is very important in Japan. Have you found more interest in this technology from Japan versus the interest you've seen from overseas?
1: Of course, like in Japan, consumers are aware of quality of food, but not everyone cares about how it's made. I mean, if it's organic or not, people would choose organic one if the price is the same. But, uh, if the price is double, not many people choose or one. I think it's the same in any countries i think so so, are you getting
0: a lot of interest in this technology from overseas as well?
1: yeah, recently there there is a demand from the carbon credit market, like making the industry sustainable. in that context, our technology is very useful. Agriculture is... In in Japan, not many companies have been working on those carbon-free tomato. There are still a lot of opportunities in agriculture sector.
0: That makes sense. Well, listen, Tepe, before I let you go, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. And that is, if I gave you a magic wand, and I told you that you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the way people think about risk, the general attitude towards innovation, anything at all to make things better for startups and innovation in Japan,
1: what would you change? I would say economic. I think if there is a, Good economic environment—that's the best for startup. Like you know, Japan has been you know experiencing long time recession, and uh, that's worst thing for startups. <laughs>
0: Obviously, economic growth is is good for everyone, but do you think that's important for startups because of uh, increased investment or or more people? trying new startup technology why why would economic growth be so helpful
1: demand makes inventions so with good economy people want more things so company makes something for them <laughs> that makes sense it seems like it should be
0: true but I I can't help but think in the the 70s and the 80s the economy in Japan was great. <laughs> You know, it was like this bubbly time, but there weren't a lot of a lot of startups in Japan then. It was it was all the big Keiretsu companies.
1: But uh, still, there were many inventions, car industry, like uh, electric industry. They made a lot of things, like uh, even the bad products, good products. Yeah, when I think of uh, old time, there were various thing in Japan.
0: That's a really good point. Even even though there wasn't a lot of startups, there was a lot of innovation during that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was just coming from the, the the big companies, huh? Yeah. So do you think good economic times makes people feel safer about taking risks?
1: Yes, but the, the most important thing people demand. So people have a lot of money they want to spend. So they <laughs>
0: Well, startups are booming these days. Do you, do you see the economy going up with it?
1: Japan, I don't think it's the best, but better than before. Getting better? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, listen, Tepe, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it.
1: No worries.
0: And we're back. So, dirt may be cheap, but soil is expensive. You see, as impressive as towing's 20 to 70% improvement in yield is, and make no mistake, that is impressive, most ag tech startups face very real scalability issues. It's a real challenge to design a business model in this space that is sustainable and scalable and profitable. Many ag tech startups can hit two out of three but only the very best managed to achieve all three of those requirements. Here, the consulting and the carbon credits help, of course, but towing's real innovation is their plan for distributed production and logistics, with centralized marketing and sales. Having the waste processed into product and stored locally at the production sites, and then delivered to area farmers certainly saves a lot in transportation and storage. But of course, this strategy creates its own challenges. It could potentially restrict the market to those areas where both supply and demand both exist. And even then, these producers, these factories, are not really in the biochar or soil additives business. They'll demand a turnkey black box system where the waste goes in one side and the money comes out the other. And, and that's not as crazy as it seems. Sure, it'll require a lot of standardization, uh, some automated logistics, very good inventory and production management systems, and a strong field services team. But these processes and technologies are already well-developed. <laughs> of course, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. By its nature, distributed production and fulfillment is far more complex than a centralized approach, but towing looks like they're set to make it work. Modern startups and recent innovation tend to concentrate money and power into a few big cities, so it's nice to see a solution resulting in more distributed and rural growth. If you want to talk more about next-generation agriculture or farming in space, Tepe and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com show213 and let's talk about it. And hey, if you enjoy Disrupting Japan, share a link online or just, you know, tell people about it. Disrupting Japan is free forever. And letting people know about it is the absolute best way you can support the podcast. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show.
1: I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.